0: The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show.
1: Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Hello and welcome inside another edition of the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. My name is Eric Little. Thank you for joining us this week. I want to thank you for the download, the subscribe, like us on Facebook, like the page, and interact with our weekly polls. This is episode four of the 2020 high school football season. Hoping that there is a season. If you're just joining us, if you just found us, this is a weekly podcast about high school football in the mid-Ohio Valley. We talk a lot about West Virginia, primarily about West Virginia, but we have some Ohio news to discuss today and it's some pretty big news. We also will have a talk about last week's poll question as to whether or On West Virginia should consider shifting fall sports to spring. And we're also going to be joined by head coach Chris Beck of the Williamstown Yellow Jackets. It's weird to say head coach Chris Beck or head coach anybody other than Terry Smith of the Williamstown Yellow Jackets. He was there for so long, but Chris Beck is at the helm now. We'll talk to him. I'm really looking forward to visiting with him and hearing what he's got to say about taking over for Terry Smith, what he's still got left in the cupboard, because they've got a lot of talent left this year, and it should be an exciting year if they're able to make it happen. Again, lots to talk about, so let's go ahead and dive into this week's news and notes. First, the on-field stuff. The 2020 Mountain State Athletic Conference football coaches preseason poll was announced as presented by Wally and Wimpy's Football Digest. Cabell Midland ranked as number one. We'll talk about Cabell Midland later and not necessarily in a good way. They're number one, getting four of the first place votes. First place was split this year. Spring Valley and South Charleston with three votes each. 92 total votes going to Cabell Midland. 90 to Spring Valley 82 to South Charleston. Parkersburg came in at eighth in this year's poll, but it's a deep MSAC this year. It's always a competitive conference. But Cabin Midland and Spring Valley are believed to be two of the better teams in the state. Calvin Midland, very highly touted this year. Spring Valley, a lot of that, I think, is based on their performance last year. South Charleston is a team that had a lot of youth last year, so much youth last year. And they managed to get into the playoffs at 4-6 as a 16 seed. But all their athleticism is absolutely dynamite. If it continues to take off in the direction that it had been going, can be big things for South Charleston. GW Capital, Huntington, you know they're going to have talent every year. A little surprise is the Parkersburg behind Hurricane, Riverside, and Saint all of us bringing up the rear. But PHS, I think is going to surprise some people in the MSAC this year. Now that we have talked about the on-field, let's talk about the off-field. Fall sports in West Virginia are due to start next Monday. That's August 17th. This will be a crucial week to determine if that can happen. That positive test reported at both Winfield and Cabell Midland High Schools. Cabell Midland is on the schedule for Parkersburg South this year in addition to PHS. Either way, we are entering a very crucial week for high school sports in West Virginia. With those set to start August 17th and And with the dominoes falling seemingly by the day in college football, we'll see what happens and if any of that trickles down to high school sports in West Virginia or the neighboring states. But again, time is running out for that to happen as fall sports are due to open August 17th. This will be a crucial week. Either that or this will be a messy, messy situation. Uh, Messier than it already has proven to be. This will also be an important indicator of how far we go in fall sports in West Virginia. Does it take a positive test among a football player, multiple football players? What if an entire volleyball or soccer team has a breakout? And these tests could have nothing to do with sports. We can't pretend that these student-athletes are in some kind of a bubble. These are people that are going home. They're going to hang out with their friends. They're doing other things aside from playing sports. So you'd catch COVID anywhere. But either way, a positive test reported at both Winfield and Cabell Midland High School this week week. We'll see if there are more reported as we get closer and closer to that August 17th date. Let's talk about Ohio. Ohio has made big, big changes to their schedule and playoff format and that's even if they get permission from Governor Mike DeWine to play football this year. If football is approved, the regular season would only be six games long and it would start the week of August 24th. The season has been modified to six games and will run through the week of September 28th. Schools can keep their first six previously scheduled games, but all regular season football contracts are now voidable by either school, especially in the event that conferences redo their league schedules to fit into the first six weeks. The playoffs will begin October 9th, with the state finals ending no later than Saturday, November 21st. Here is the big change. All teams are eligible to enter into the playoffs. The number of playoff rounds will be dependent on the number of schools that enter the playoffs in each division. So if you're a school that has decided we just want to play our six games so we have a season, and then that's that, you can do that. If you want to play your six games, try to make it to a state championship, and see what you can do from there, you can do that. But all teams will be eligible to enter the playoffs. You have to declare that you want to be in the playoffs. And by just declaring that you want to be in the playoffs, you'll get a playoff appearance. You'll be in the playoffs. The coaches in each region will then seed all the playoff teams in the region to form a bracket similar to other team sports. I was telling someone this week, it sounds very similar to what West Virginia does in sports like basketball, baseball, or softball, where everybody in your region seeds you and then you play sectionals and regionals. It seems like football will go in a similar format, where all All teams in the region will be seeded. They'll make a bracket, and that bracket could be whatever. It could take a while to get that in. So that's where I'm really skeptical of where they say ending no later than Saturday, November 21st, they might have to do some magic tricks to get that playoff bracket in in about a six-week or seven-week span. But here's where things really get different. Schools that are eliminated from the playoffs or that choose not to enter the playoffs have the option to schedule additional regular season contests through Saturday, and November 14th, with a maximum of 10 regular season contests permitted. So if you get knocked out of the playoffs and you want to play another couple of weeks, you can do that. If you had opponents that were knocked out or opponents that you couldn't play and you have a mutual week off, by all means, schedule that team. So it's weird. You could be knocked out of the playoffs and then play a couple more games for pride just to get to your 10 regular season contests, it's an interesting wrinkle in this. What it does is it allows teams to get 10 games in in a season so they can have a season. It also allows the state of Ohio to be able to conduct a championship or to do what they believe will be their best chance to conduct a championship and get to that final a little quicker. Is it goofy? Is it unorthodox? Absolutely, it is both of those things. It is weird to fathom the idea of playing your six games, then playing in the playoffs, and then going back after that, a potential playoff run, And playing more football. But that's exactly what this would be. So at the very least, if you choose to go to the playoffs, you are guaranteed up to seven games this season. You can play those six and then have that playoff game. And that's if nobody tests positive for COVID or you don't have games that are lost because of that. That's completely another issue. So you could get those seven games there that way. Say you get knocked out and your seniors want to do a couple more weeks of football, you can do it, as long as you can get those games in by November 14th, with a maximum of 10 regular season games scheduled. Will we see teams try to get creative? That's possible. I know there are some states, particularly in the Northeast, where football is not as big of a deal, where they compress the postseason to get more rounds in, and they play games every five days. They play games on short rest. Every week is a short week in the playoffs, so maybe you'll have a game on Friday, and then another game the following Wednesday, and then another game... The following Monday, because they're trying to get as many games in and as many rounds in as possible. Here in West Virginia and Ohio, we're very much in tune with playing on Fridays and Saturdays, but we might see a compressed schedule like that if a region is so large that they have to do that to get the playoffs done by the prescribed date, which is Saturday, November 21st. But it's different than what we've seen around here. We'll see if it happens. And again, Governor Mike DeWine can put the kibosh on that really quickly. I guess it is not an entirely popular plan. There's a report from the Columbus Dispatch that says some coaches are okay with a high school football season. They're there is also some scuttlebutt that a group that was not at the table is the Ohio High School Coaches Association. The coaches association, they were led to believe that they would have a seat at the table for any plan that was formulated. The Ohio High School Football Coaches Association did not get that consultation from the Ohio High School Athletic Association, and they thought they would be in the loop. They were told they would have a seat at the table, and I guess that didn't happen. I think at the end of the day, from the reports I've read, more coaches are just pleased to be playing and glad to be playing than not. So any chance that they can do that and any mechanism that they can do that, that will outweigh maybe not having that seat at the table. But it seems like Ohio is at least trying to get creative to get A, a football season in where you can participate in as many games as possible, and B, a champion in all the classes that they're trying to crown a champion. Difficult times and and different times call for some different approaches and different strategies, and that's what Ohio is trying to do. We'll see if it gets to the start line, much less the finish line. This week will probably be big in determining that as well. Let's take a look at last week's poll question. We asked you, should West Virginia consider shifting their fall sports schedule to the spring for this school year because of COVID-19? Again, Should West Virginia shift their fall sports schedule to the spring for this school year because of COVID-19? 30 people voted in this week's poll. 60% of you said no. 40% of you said yes. I'll go ahead and read some of the comments here. There were some good thoughts on this. Rick Schuler writes, Small schools depend on kids to play two sports. That's a good point. thing I reminded him about on the post, and I want to remind other folks about, Rick was the one that brought it up, these wouldn't necessarily be happening at the same time. It wouldn't be necessarily winter and then spring slash fall sports. I know the model that we talked about last week with Virginia had winter sports and then fall sports wedged between winter and spring with a bit of an overlap, a slight overlap there. So these wouldn't necessarily be concurrent. However, what you would be doing is you'd have modified sports seasons in all the sports to fit all of that in to the spring semester. And you'd go a little later into the summer, I think, than you're used to going as a result of that. And that's kind of a natural reaction to that. But I think a lot of people that voted no in this poll voted no because they were afraid that those sports would increase on winter and spring sports. And I think at that point, if you're moving to that model, there's no way around that. You're going to have some encroachment, you're going to have some overlap, and you're going to have a shortening. So either way, that would be part of that move. But that's a good point. Small schools depend on student-athletes to play a lot of different sports, or else there would be no program in those sports. Garrett Furr, my broadcast partner on V96.9, says, I think trying to move an entire sports season back several months is too big of a logistical and practicality nightmare. Fall sports are inherently by nature. Larger team sports and the amount of people required to sacrifice their time for a season is much greater. I think the reward is far greater than the risk being COVID-19 and the sacrifice. Garrett brings up an interesting point there about the amount of people required to sacrifice their time for a season. Want an example? How many people are officials in multiple sports? How many people overlap basketball officiating with baseball umpiring with football officiating? How are you going to staff all of that? Unless you've got a lot of people that are able to commit and willing to commit to that time. And by the way, these are usually older individuals that do this. Many of them are retired. Many of them are well established in careers. There are not enough young people in officiating. Either way, you've got to have enough to cover all of what you want to do. The logistics just may be impossible. But the logistics are going to be tough. Either way you cut it, whether it's with a fall season that happens during COVID or a spring season or that happens wedged between two other sports or even replacing other sports or concurrently with other sports, it would be a difficult endeavor. Butch Mounts. And again, hope you're well, Butch. Glad to hear from you. If it were just about playing the sport, it really wouldn't matter. But I think the big thing is there are a lot of kids trying to get an opportunity to play at the next level. If we shift to the spring, all scholarship monies will be given out by that point in time. There are always kids that are late bloomers and have a great senior year and get the opportunity to play someplace. That wouldn't be an option if we move the season to the spring. And that is a great point. There are a lot of people that maybe scuffled as sophomores and juniors, and their senior season was going to be that chance to shine for colleges, that chance to star on the team, that chance to get that scholarship, and that might not be available. I think both of the student-athlete and the universities are going to have to be creative about how to show what they can do and how to find talent, depending on which end of that equation they're on. I think colleges will probably hold some scholarship money back if there are Big states that play their football in the spring If Virginia goes to that plan There's a heck of a lot of football players in Virginia That do well at the Division One level So I think that there will be a lot of schools That are apt to hold out some money for guys like that The possibility of landing those student-athletes As compared to maybe not landing them So that's a great point And I don't know how that is going to affect things That's definitely a downstream effect of this Is that scholarship monies will have to be Divvied out one way or another You could have fortunes change So this isn't just people complaining about football this isn't just people being concerned about football. There are a lot of lives at stake here. And I'll get to that point here in just a minute. A lot of times I have an opinion one way or the other. I really don't hear. I really don't know what the answer is. My gut tells me that I think West Virginia is going to try a fall sports season because of the fact that, well, as we sit here, we're a week away from that fall sports season starting in terms of practices. I think West Virginia is going to try for that, and because the kids want to play, the communities want these things to happen, and compared to a lot of other states, it's been a safer proposition in West Virginia. We don't have the death rates. We don't have the infection rates uh, on a daily or weekly level. People can socially distance at football games, and there'll be people that don't, but there'll be a lot of people that do, and there'll be people that stay home and follow it in other ways just to try to make sure that the games go on and whether or not they feel safe being out at a game themselves. But we have a lot of things to consider. And I know people want these games to be played and want these sporting events to happen. But I don't think it's a matter of do you want them to happen? I think it's a matter of should they happen? And people don't always see both sides of that coin. There's a lot to consider. It's hard to guarantee safety when we don't know the long-term health impacts of COVID. There is growing evidence that some people that have had COVID are also developing heart issues. Are there other groups that are more susceptible? We think we know what high-risk people are and we think that those are a lot of older folks and that's basically what we know from how many people are dying from this or when they're getting sick, but we don't know what impacts it has on young people. I mean there's been some evidence that there are some ongoing heart issues for one. Beyond that we really don't know a ton. We're still learning about this virus every day. And as school administrators, and I've said before, I don't envy their jobs one bit right now. Their jobs are not to get football on the field, their jobs are not to get kids in the classrooms. Their jobs are to be stewards of our young people. Their jobs are to make sure that our young people are the safest in that setting, whether it's an athletic setting or an academic setting or a school setting. And if those settings are not safe, then we need to really take a look at whether or not we should be putting them in those settings. Again, I don't have the right answer here. I wish I did. The jobs of the administrators and the coaches and the teachers is to make things safe and above all to look out for our young people. they are not a whole lot of sure bets right now with COVID. Another thing I think that is important to this argument, there's no guarantee right now that we're going to be any better off. Off with this in the spring than we are right now. That's because the same issues that Americans are having with social distancing, with mask wearing. Things that science has told us would squash this virus and bring our numbers down. We gave up on that months ago. That's not happening right now. I know a lot of people have heard of the Sturgis motorcycle rally in South Dakota every year. They've got a quarter of a million people. They're holding that rally as we speak. And early reports are indicating there's not a lot of social distancing. There's not a lot of mask wearing. It may take a large outbreak from a large event to get people on on board with how serious this is. And they may not have an outbreak, and we hope they don't. I'm certainly not rooting for it. But that's an example that I'm using to show that Americans want the things we want that we're used to having when we want them. We're a society that's not had to live through a major health crisis in our lifetimes. We're losing our generation now that lived through World War II and rationing and sacrifice. Older Americans now might remember gas rationing in the 1970s. We're a nation that's not used to making sacrifices. And the longer we've gone on, the more people exist that have not had to make those sacrifices. So people are making sacrifices now in a way that we've not had to make in many people's lifetimes. So we're not used to that. And because we're not used to that, there are some people that are just not on board with it. And they're not doing the things that if we all did as a society would put us in a place to where this wouldn't be a discussion right now. But because we didn't do that in the spring and summer months, here we are in the fall. And this is a problem we thought we might have. But when people just didn't take the action they needed, and when making these fall sports and making, let's get America better by the fall so that we can send kids back to school safely and we can have those things safely. Uh, when that wasn't the focus back in the spring, then I, I think we kind of lost our opportunity and lost our window. West Virginia is not very hard hit. The kids want to play, and for many, sports are the motivation to succeed in school. And again, there's no guarantee spring's going to be better. That's just kicking the can further down the road. But I will tell you this there's no one that wants to see these things go away. No one wants to see school closed and learning go completely online. No one wants to see See a high school or a college sports season, canceled. That's not what anybody's rooting for. But wanting something to happen... And knowing what maybe you can do or you should do, those are two different things, and they should be viewed as two different things. And not everybody's viewing those as two different things. No one wants to see these things go away. There are a lot of people, I think, that are they're getting way too emotional when it comes to this decision. But again, keeping student-athletes at all levels safe and away from long-term health impacts, that's the job. We're stewards of individuals. That's what administrators are looking to do. And it's not that anyone wants to see these things happen, but the debate is going to be around whether or not we can safely have these things. And again, I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. I'm glad I just sit and talk about high school sports for a living, and hopefully one day again college sports. But there's just a lot of things to consider, and I urge you not to make those judgments out of an emotional desire to see something, because we all want to see it, and I think that's getting very lost in this. We all want to see these things come back, but we all have to act in the manner that is the best for our young people. Because remember, as I said, I think in Episode 1, won this season. Decisions about whether to play or whether not to play, they need to be made by people who are trying to consider how best to keep someone's kids safe. These aren't professional sports athletes we're talking about here. These are people who live in your community. You work with their parents. That's the kid down the street. You go to church with his family. That's what you're trying to keep safe. You're trying to keep that individual safe. Your desire to see your favorite team is not greater than your next door neighbor's desire to provide a safe world for their children because that's a sacrifice you're asking families and kids to make. Some are willing to do it and more power to them. There are some that understand that you know, we have to live on and there's a certain amount of risk that comes with that right now. How much of that you're willing to assume depends from household to household. But there are a lot of people that are not willing to take that chance. And we just need to be understanding right now and hopeful that the best decisions are made and that the best outcomes are reached. So again, I want to thank the 30 people who voted. I want to thank Butch Mounts, Garrett Fur, and Rick Schuler for chiming in on that question. We'll have another poll question later in this week's show. Stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, answer our weekly poll question and feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. We're joined this week on the podcast by the new head coach of the Williamstown Yellow Jackets, Chris Beck. Chris, welcome to the program. Hey
0: Eric, thanks for having me.
1: What's participation like for you and what have the workouts been like? Because you've probably taken over as head coach at a time and in a circumstance that you weren't quite anticipating. Yeah,
0: so the participation's been great. Our kids have been resilient. Participation's high, right out about 100%, besides folks, you know, having, with their own family vacations, etc. Uh, almost no unexcused absences, though. It's been a really good off-season for us since we've been allowed to work out in June. The kids have really been uh, excited to be back, just like uh, most of... Uh, America and the state, they're kind of sick of sitting at home, stuck in their houses, so maybe that led to it, but our kids have been excited, and they've been working really hard, and it's been, um, there's actually been some things through this pandemic that. We're going to continue to deal uh, going forward. Uh, it forces you to look at how you're doing your workouts and how you're grouping kids and how you're making use of your time more efficiently. So there's some things that we did that we really liked that even post-COVID that we're going to use going forward as far as how we uh, organize and do our workouts.
1: There are probably a lot of people that are listening to this that unless they've seen you in the newspaper or on TV, they don't know a lot about you. What do we need to know about you other than you're a Williamstown graduate and you were an assistant coach there before you became head coach? There's not
0: a lot to know about me. I'm married to Mallory. Uh, anytime you get in the coaching business, it's a family decision, not just you. The whole family has to be into it. I'm very blessed and fortunate to be uh, married not only to the love of my life, but my best friend. She's also supportive through all this and uh, just uh, a great life partner for me, someone that's been with me every step of the way since we've been married now for seven years. Days a little bit longer than that. We have one child, uh Charlie, She's four years old. She's just like everybody else, I'm sure. I think she's the prettiest little girl in the whole world and just a ball of energy and fun to be around. A lot of my time is with family. Definitely first priority for me is Mallory and Charlie and spending time with them and enjoying that time. Outside of that, I'm kind of a laid-back personality guy that just loves football and loves my community and wants to have an impact on these guys' lives. Uh, I know when I grew up, I had Coach Butcher and Coach Smith, and I've worked for Coach Smith, obviously, the last 12 years. But uh, I saw the impact it had on me. And outside of my family, there's there's probably not two people that's had a greater impact on my life than Coach Butcher and Coach Smith. I just thought to myself, if I could do that one day, that would be really cool, and that would be something I'd really want to do. So that's kind of how I ended up here in the football coaching area is to, one, I love football, and two, I really like working with these guys and having an impact on their lives. I enjoy seeing those guys grow up and become Husbands and fathers and having jobs and having an impact on our community as they grow older. I just really enjoy seeing that and the relationships you form with, not only the players, but the guys you coach with. It's a lot of fun for me. I really enjoy it. So outside of football and family, I really don't get into a a whole lot, to be honest. (laughs)
1: Well, what's it like to follow Terry Smith? Is there a piece of advice that he gave you that sticks out as the best piece of advice? There's
0: so much. (laughs) There's so many things that he teaches you. It's tough to narrow down the one. That's a really good question. And the things that you would um, want to
1: repeat to people.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, most of the time he was good on that. You could repeat most of it. He had a lot of great advice when dealing with players. Yeah, I really appreciate it. But also the program overall. I remember Coach Smith talking about one time, we were talking about being a head coach in the program. and. At one point, I think in his career, he thought, well, he really doesn't care what other people think. He wants to take care of the 40 kids on the team and the staff. And as he coached, it kind of hit him that this thing's bigger than that, that there's so many people in the community that love Wingstown Football, follow Wings Town Football, and it impacts their lives in a variety of ways. So one of the biggest things I took away from Coach Smith is your program has such an impact on the entire community, and it can have a positive impact on that community. That's one thing that I I remember us talking about a few years ago that really still stands out to me.
1: Being from Williamstown and understanding it from that end, did that help you in the transition as well? Because, again, coming up through the program and as an adult, having that perspective to be able to look back on things and to see things in the community maybe you didn't see growing up, did that help that preparation as well?
0: Yeah, I believe it did. Being from here and playing here and being part of staff last 12 years, it definitely helped with the transition. In regards from a player's perspective, they're familiar with me. They have a relationship with me. I definitely want to continue to build upon those and improve those, but it wasn't like I will start from scratch. And then just being from the community and understanding and seeing that from a player perspective, how it felt to play for the Jackets. In college, I remember coming home for playoff games and making the point to bring college friends and then getting the coaching. Having that perspective from around, I think, and knowing the impact that it has, has definitely made the transition easier. The program's bigger than any one person. Long after I'm dead and gone or I give up coaching, Lewistown football will keep going and it'll continue to thrive in this community just because the folks here care about it and love it so much. We care about our kids. Having the perspective to know that that's the case and know this community fully supports the team is definitely something I'm blessed and honored with. And when you go outside of the community and I go to college and I talk to guys i played against and you get in the coaching community and you, talk to some other coaches, you just realize how blessed and fortunate we are in Weavetown. And I really believe it's the best small school job in the state for a lot of reasons. But one of the primary ones is we got really good kids, we got really good families and we got a all of our supportive community that really supports our young men on and off the field.
1: I think the biggest thing that makes your transition a little easier is the fact that Coach Smith didn't leave a bare cupboard. You've got skilled players coming back. You've got an experienced offensive line coming back. How does that help you in year one? It helps
0: tremendously. Um, one of the things that we definitely have coming back, it should be a strength of the team. We have four or five offensive linemen back. Nick Bauer, Leawood, Melissa, Krim and Joss Ingram. Being strong up front makes things a lot easier. Uh, because we feel like up front we can match up with almost anybody in Class A. Those guys work really hard, and we should be good there. So it makes that transition easier. If you're good up front, you know you're at least going to have a chance in every game. I really believe that. The games are one and loss up front, and when we go into any of uh, the 10 games on our schedule, we feel like up front we can compete with anybody. So on top of that, you got a returning quarterback, Brady Mossett, who's a junior last year, won that quarterbacking job really grew into a leader as the season progressed and he's made a lot of strides in the off season. I look for him to have a big year. So just in that, knowing that we're gonna be pretty good up front, we got a returning quarterback. It definitely eases the transition. We have some work to do in the skill position areas as we lost Ty Moore, Eric Brown, Nick Bondi, Mason D and those guys. But we have guys ready to step up. Trevor o, tricky Allen, Maxwell Mlesa. Caleb Stansberry, Caleb Whitaker, Logan White—all these guys—they're putting a lot of time and work and they're ready to step into where
1: those guys left and fill those roles. There might not be another program in this area that did as well when it comes to getting that next person up and finding that next person up as Williamstown. Coach Smith and his entire staff, yourself included, you all did such a fine job of identifying where your skill was and making sure those players had chances to get the football and when someone would go down with an injury, who's the next person up? I guess the question I have that comes from that is, how did you develop that eye? For talent and that ability to, to look at your own roster and figure out who could do what and how they could best help your team win football games.
0: Well, first thing there is, it's not just the staff and what we do. It's our kids. Our kids are team players. They buy into the team concept and they trust us as a staff that we're going to put them in the best position for the team. And that may not be where that kid wanted to play. So, one, having a bunch of unselfish players that want to win is the first ingredient. In that the second thing is with our culture that uh, coach smith has created is our seniors are our hardest workers and they set the tone and when you see on your team when you're a freshman and you think oh man this is they want to move me to where but if you see a senior who was a fullback in the guard or maybe he was tailback removing the receiver and that senior just says okay i'm going to do that i'm going to work my butt off for that and this is how we're going to help the team that sets the tone Now on the staff, what we try to do is we know what we want to do on offense. There's a lot of ways to dress that up. And then from a skill position perspective, you just got to find a way to get your most skilled guys the ball. And that's what we worry about on offense. I know we've been run heavy, and we likely will be. We still definitely want to run the ball. But when you go into it, you know, hey, these are our best four or five guys. How can we get them touches? Where does that fit into what we do? We go through and we try to identify those guys. And then one thing that Coach Buckley said when I played, and Coach Smith even more so, is our backups, our second teamers, probably get more reps than most. Folks in class A, you've always got to have a pair and a spare, as we say, ready to play. And our staff knows that, and our kids know that, that your number could be called. So you've got to take time to invest in those young guys as well. Would it be easy for me this year in practice to give Braden Moss at 95% of their reps at quarterback and get him ready for the senior season? Yeah, and I have full confidence in Braden. But we've got to look at the next year or two as far as when we're dividing out reps, Who's has got to be that next guy? How do we get him enough reps in practice? How can we be creative in practice and get him reps? That way he's ready not only for this year if something happens, but next year when we come in, he's not starting from scratch. And so that's kind of what we've done here is we try to get as many reps in for our starters and backups as we can and just try to identify their skill set, how that fits in our offense, what we're doing, how that's going to best situate us to win football games, and just go from there.
1: That unselfishness, is that an easier message to deliver in a place like Williamstown, where all you have to do is go into the locker room and say, hey guys, remember the last time we weren't in the playoffs? No, you don't, because you weren't born yet. You know, a place like that that has that heritage of winning, that's got to be a little easier to share that message and to get that buy-in there that you might not get other places. Oh, yeah. And that's what
0: I mean. I go back to it's one of the best jobs in the state. It's when you can look and say the success speaks for itself, it's definitely easier to buy in. And you have that conversation sometimes. It doesn't take long for these guys to realize we've been winning for 20 straight years. We've uh, been very fortunate and blessed to have a lot of success. And for them to have confidence that we're putting them in the best position to win games and to be successful on the field. That culture, um, I remember... Well, I was a sophomore when Coach Buttery came in. The first year, it wasn't like that, though. We, he had some guys not buy in, and they were cut loose. When he set that tone back in 1999, I remember being on that team, and when we got out there in August, two or three of our best athletes weren't out there. I remember thinking, man, this is kind of crazy that we don't have some of our best players, but they didn't buy in, so they were cast aside. And we went 5-5, five and five and we thought that was the greatest thing ever. That was success for Williamstown at the time. But him coming in those first couple years and saying, nobody's above the program, it doesn't matter if you're talented, if you don't buy into the team concept, you're not going to be part of this. He made some tough choices early. We've built off that, and Coach Smith took it to the next level. And now you're exactly right, though. It's much easier for me at Easttown to say, this is what we're doing, the kids buy in, when you can look up the wall and see a couple of state championships, 20 straight playoff appearances, and all the things that you talk about. It definitely makes it easier for that. And we're just extremely fortunate to have that past success and to have a bunch of really great kids here in Town that come from great families understand what we're trying to do
1: as we sit here and talk the world is an uncertain place right now football at a lot of levels has a lot of uncertainty with it what are some positive things you're trying to keep up front for your student athletes what are those messages of positivity you're trying to get home right now
0: the thing is what we talk about is you're right there's a lot of uncertainty out there and every day there's different news we can only control what we control. That's the first thing we focus on is trying to block out all the speculation. You give us the guidance we have now and we go. And then one thing we talked about is just like life to me, COVID's not fair. It's something that nobody wants to deal with, but we are. And that's no different than what you're going to face in life. You're going to come up on obstacles in life that seem unfair, that maybe are out of your control. How do you respond? How do you deal with that? And that's what we're trying to do now is take positives that it's going to set them up for the rest of their life. And if you can tackle this challenge and get through this, when you go in life and you have some kind of loss personally, or if you go to a job and maybe you don't get that job or you have some kind of failure in your life, how are you going to respond? How are you going to react to that situation? And that's what football instills a lot of in a way, and team sports does. So, the, from a positive perspective, what we're looking at is this is just like a life situation, but it is real life. How are we going to respond to this? Number one. Number two, we always talk about character, what you're doing when nobody's looking. Well, COVID was the ultimate test of that. Because from March to June, nobody was looking at you. Yeah, we sent out home workouts. Yeah, we had coaches assigned the groups and we did texts and checked on guys. But there's nobody standing over you making sure you're doing all your workouts. How did you respond during that? So what kind of self-motivation do you have? How much do you really love the game? Do you have, I think our kids have come back and soon they have a much better appreciation of the game and what we do. Because of how excited they are They realized when it was taken away for a while how much it meant to them but also we check on kids there's a positive it's been a positive in my life is you definitely have more time for family and spending some time with your loved ones time that you won't get back i mean when you're quarantined you're stuck at home yeah there's a lot of negatives to that you don't get to do a lot of things but a positive in my mind at least is i got to spend time with my wife and daughter that maybe i wouldn't have under normal circumstances, we've been going to work, going here, going there for a few weeks at least. We're all stuck at home together, spending time together, and it was really enjoyable. Don't get me wrong, there's lots of things i missed. I certainly appreciated the extra family time and how much interaction I got to have with my daughter and my wife. That's something we've talked about to our families, yeah. When you're younger, especially a teenager, yeah, <laughs> sometimes you don't, you don't necessarily get along with your parents all the time. I tried to assure them, when you look back, because what happens, you know how it goes, you really love your parents. You even love your parents when you're a teenager, but then for some reason you think they don't know anything, you're the smartest person in the room. hmm and you grow up, <laughs> you realize, well, maybe they knew what they were talking about. <laughs> I said, here in a few years, you're going to look back at this time, I hope. and said, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, I missed out on some things. But I got to spend time with my family that a lot of generations maybe haven't had a chance to do recently. So that's some positives we're trying to take away is, hey, use this as a life lesson how are you going to respond to this? Number two is yes, some things were taken away, but there's opportunities that were presented to you. As far as spending time with your family and some other things that you could do, did you take advantage of those opportunities? Did you create some memories that are going to go with you the rest of your life that are going to be positive? And I think our kids did, at least I hope they did, So those are things that we've looked at a little
1: bit. And that leads me to the big question, of course. While you were at home with your family, what were some of the things you did to pass the time, or what were you streaming? Because I know people are looking for streaming recommendations right now. And if they're Williamstown fans, like I know Williamstown fans, there will be people that stream things just because you told them that they should do it.
0: (laughs) Well, I hope not. Uh, (laughs) uh, But... We're Netflix fans. There's so yeah. some things that we stream. Actually, I just got done with Last Chance U. It just came out. And when you talk about this whole COVID situation and how it impacts young people, I mean, I'd encourage people to watch that, especially from this area, because those uh, young men from Oakland and what they go through,
1: mm-hmm.
0: think about if they don't have football. Where are those young men going to be at? So uh, Last Chance U was a big one for me. I'm a Office fan, and my wife is. We probably watched <laughs> All the seasons of that, probably 10 times, if, if not more. Uh, so those are a couple of the ones that are definitely on the regular for uh, the Beck household is The Office. I like Last Chance U. Yeah, those are two that stick out to me at least.
1: The Office is a timeless classic. It's fantastic. Oh, man. My wife is a big Office
0: fan as well. Every time I watch it, I find something else that makes me laugh. They just did a great job with that. Yeah, like you said, it's a timeless classic that uh, people can watch forever.
1: You got a favorite character?
0: I'm a big Michael Scott fan, of course. Last couple seasons, he wasn't there. but
1: Anybody but Robert California.
0: No, he was good. I, I'm actually, I was a fan of his, and um, oh, what was the other series in? It was called Boston or something like that.
1: Oh, yeah, Boston Legal. Yeah,
0: Boston Legal, yeah. When that was on TV, I was a fan of him there, and I, and I like him there. They really couldn't replace Michael Scott. No. He made the show, and uh, he was definitely my favorite. But the last few years, they did what they could, and uh, it was still good, but not quite as good.
1: I don't think enough credit gets given to how weird that episode was where they they go visit Robert California's house. I think that is one that needs to be higher on a lot of people's favorite lists. I'm a big Season 2 fan because they had to pay off the Jim and Pam stuff. Season 3 was kind of a mess until the end. And then after that, you just get really good episodes.
0: I think I just watched the end of Season 2 the other day. It's fantastic. It was really good. I love the scene. I didn't notice it the other day that... Michael and Jim are talking about Pam and, you know, Jim had disclosed to Michael that he loved Pam or whatever and they're trying to talk in front of a vending machine and Stanley comes up and he's trying to get a drink (laughs) (laughs) and he can't make a decision eventually Michael hits the machine it's cheap and you're going to hate it (laughs) I know what you're talking about I think that's just a great line. I really didn't notice until the other day, or I maybe I did. I didn't remember it. But, no, those are a couple of things in our house that we did. And then to pass the time, we have a pool here. So we've been get a lot of pool time in. There you go. Um, and positive as we've been going on more walks, right, because yeah. there's nothing else to do. So yeah, uh, me and Mallory and Charlie have been going for some walks lately uh, for the last few months. Just like everybody else, just finding different things to do. And again, like I said, it's just an opportunity for folks to spend time with family. And I certainly enjoyed all that stuff, painting with my daughter, coloring with her. It gave us time from a football perspective to kind of call, do some calls as the staff and get familiar and get the staff up to speed. But I know that we're very fortunate and blessed to have the home situation I have uh, my family. Hopefully everybody else has the same experience. I know those people out there, though, you know, when they're at home, um, even some of our young athletes, their home situation's not that way. So as we go through all this, I hope we can get to a place where we're back in school, we get these folks back in school, because I think folks fail to realize how many young people that maybe aren't so fortunate to be in those situations. Maybe school's the one positive thing they got Right. maybe they uh, suffer from some kind of negligence or abuse at home or they don't know exactly what they're going to eat. So I hope we can get back to normal. I appreciate my time with my family, but I know we have a lot of young people out there that need school. They need that positive influence in their lives. So I'm definitely looking forward to getting back to normal uh, for those kids' sakes.
1: Yeah, definitely stay at home is easier for some than others well uh, chris beck the amateur pool boy artist and now head coach at williamstown high school replacing terry smith thank you for the visit good to talk to you today thank you for coming on the podcast and good luck to you this season
0: i appreciate it, eric and thanks for your coverage and everything you do for the area i listened to your podcast actually i just listened to coach moach yesterday i took a listen to that podcast and you do a great job and Uh, Our young people are definitely fortunate to have the kind of exposure we do through people like you and uh, some of the other folks at the News and Sentinel and Metro News. I just think it's great that these guys get that kind of exposure and we talk about them and try to focus on some positive.
1: Well, thank you. Appreciate it. I want to thank Chris Beck, the head coach of the Williamstown Yellow Jackets, for joining us. I think the most profound thing he said there was just talking about how much of an emphasis that he had taken from Coach Smith and before him, Coach Buttry. I'll we'll get to Coach Buttry in a minute, about how this program or any program is bigger than you. That trickled down from the coaches to the players, and you've heard that at other places. Jody Mote talks about that and says this program is not just Jody Mote or any other assistant coach or any other player. In small towns like a Williamstown or like a St. Mary's, that program is a lot to that community. There are a lot of people in that community. Their week hinges on whether or not it's been a good week for that team or it's not been a good week for that team. You can make somebody's whole weekend by coming away with a big win, and you can put them in a sour mood for the whole weekend. If you go into any of these towns, that's what the talk of the town is. Come July and August, it's about the upcoming high school football season, then you go through the season, and then you get through the winter sports and the spring sports, and then people are ready to talk football again. That's why we have shows like this. But that realization within the program that this program is bigger than just a football team. It's bigger than just a bunch of kids playing a sport led by some adults. What that team means to that town and the knowledge of that and the awareness of what that means, that's a big ticket item to understand And that's a significant part of the success of programs like Williamstown and programs like St. Mary's, is knowing what you mean to the people around you, the people you live with in your community, and what your success means to those folks and and how it impacts those folks. It was really cool to hear that. And again, uh, that Chris Beck kept bringing up, Bernie Buttry, And it was Bernie Buttry, and a lot of people forget about this, but Bernie is the one that laid the foundation there. Then he moved on to Parkersburg High School. Chris Beck was a player there when Bernie Buttrey was the head coach. It's important and interesting to see Bernie recognized like that because I think in the last 20 years that's been a byproduct of Williamstown's success under Terry Smith is we forgot where it started. We've not given nearly enough credit to Bernie Buttry for getting that program on the right footing. Again, to hear Chris Beck talk about that It's an important reminder of where the winning tradition started at Williamstown, and it was earlier than we even perhaps realized. So I want to thank him for that time. Again, we're running a little longer than we needed to be, so we'll go ahead and get you this week's poll question and have our final thoughts. This week's poll question, it's influenced by the events of the world. Do you expect professional sports-type protests at the high school level? Protests that are either similar to those that you see in professional sports or protests that are influenced by some things going on in the real world, such as the Black Lives Matter movement, things like that. Do you expect that at the high school level? Uh, Should be an interesting one. Should be a provocative question and looking forward to seeing the responses to that when we take a look at those next week on the program. I also had something passed along to me in Facebook Messenger. John Mike Nichols sent me a screenshot of a Facebook post that someone put out there talking about a hypothetical scenario where one state in this area would say no to high school sports on the fall, and the other state says yes. Are there scenarios in place, the question asked, that would prohibit you from playing one season in one state and transferring to another state and being able to play that season? For instance, let's say West Virginia plays high school football in the fall, and maybe Ohio doesn't, but they play in the spring. So can you transfer across state lines and play two senior seasons, in essence, or two junior seasons, in essence. And this is a scenario that might be hypothetical here, but it's real in places like Virginia and Maryland that have already said no to high school football in the fall. Virginia is looking very much at doing it in the springtime. So you could, in a lot of places in West Virginia, play and then transfer to Virginia. Would it be allowed? How would that break down in public versus private schools? Would it be okay in one and out the other? That's something that's going to have to be policed, I think it's going to take some self-discipline on the part of the student-athlete and on the part of the families involved. I would think that if a new student transfers into your school, it wouldn't be too hard, unless there's a flood of new students coming into your school, to call their old school and see what it is that they participated in, what they might not be eligible to do. That seems like a phone call that probably ought to be made. Those things could fall between the cracks, and I think if it's ever discovered that it fell between the cracks... I would think that that would look worse on the student-athlete and the family than the high school. I think if you have a chance to play at the college level, colleges are going to want to shy away from the kind of player that would bilk the system like that. They don't want cheaters at the college level, no matter what you might think some of these programs are willing to do. Insert your Rick Pitino probation joke here. That having been said, there's also the idea of, well, if I don't plan to go play football beyond this, but I want one more season of glory, you know, maybe I can go get that. And maybe you could, but you're taking a spot from someone else that has possibly earned it. That is a valid argument and a valid concern here with this. I think with all the uncertainty in the world, you're bound to have some situations like this where someone does something like that, maybe declares an entire school season ineligible and voids an entire season for somebody because you know, they, they played two seasons. Uh, the National Federation probably is going to issue some guidelines on this. The state federations probably have some opinions on this, and I think it's going to come to each school if you have a transfer player to police who comes into your program, where they're from, and whether they've played that season if it's different from when you're playing it in your state. It's an interesting concern, and it's yet another downstream effect of the COVID-19 world and the way we're living right now. I want to thank all of you for chiming in on the poll, and I want to invite all of you, if you haven't already, to vote in this week's poll. Like us on Facebook. You can download us on SoundCloud each week. Download us through Apple Podcasts each week. The show comes out every Wednesday. You can subscribe to us. Rate us, review us, all that fun stuff. Let us know how you're doing next week. We'll see where we are with things. Preseason preview series begins on Facebook Live, Light Rock 93 Hours Facebook page next Monday and other stations' pages, you know, depending on which team's being featured. Um, we'll have all that for you next week on the Facebook pages of 7 Rangers Radio. A couple of those excerpts will come out of this podcast next week. You'll hear from some of those coaches as well, and we'll get our first look at how things are going to go when we formally start practice. A lot of things could change between the time this is dropped and the time we get to that point. We may not get to that point. Who knows? Things evolve daily, it seems, in this world. But either way, we'll have a show, and we'll tell you what's happened since we last talked. We'll set you up for what's about to come this season, and we'll just kind of keep you updated on what is what and where we are with things. That's our time today. My name's Eric Little. Thank you for joining us on the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. We'll do it again next week, and until then, have a great week, everybody. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and vote in our weekly poll. Come back next
0: week for another new episode, and thank